Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! I kind of drew you in there with a little softer, and then I did it louder! This is the Fizzle Show, where every week we publish another conversation about the art and science of earning a living doing something that you care about. I mean, because God, you guys, it can really suck out there. People have bad jobs, people feeling like they're in slaves to some corporate something or you know you know even if you're not you're working for yourself you got terrible clients you're working for yourself you're trying to build an audience and you can't make it work it's like not happening right it can be hard out there right but for a lot of us it's also going well and there's a point at your life when things can start working out for you you've learned enough you've got enough right and we're here to help you get to that point where you know how to take the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step because it is going to take vision and it is going to take execution so that's what we do at the fizzle show every single week we just want to be a little i don't know we want to be a little honey stick in your tea we want to sweeten the deal a little bit for you we want to be the uh the 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 pop rocks on the rim of your shot of tequila which we've done recently those were good (laughs) who came up with that idea that was just it was uh, just for the moment it was just for the moment that the 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 host had pop rocks amazing wow but uh, but uh, anyways, this is the Fizzle Show, where every week we publish this kind of stuff. If you're into it, please subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. If you don't know, we also run a membership community for indie entrepreneurs. You can get five weeks free when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. That will take you to a place where there's a video to learn more about that. I won't bore you with that now. What? I, I would also love to say about that. If, huh. if you're listening out there and you feel pressure... Because you don't know how to spell try five. Yeah. You can take your pick. <laughs> T-R-A-I-G-H. You can just do it however you want, and it's likely that it will work out just fine. That is the secret of the HD Access redirects. Um, we've got you covered. But today we've got a good topic, a, a really, really actionable topic for a lot of you who work with clients, work with customers directly. All right. This is something that I have an extensive amount of experience with. I was a web designer professionally for a long time. Even while I had a day job, I was doing client work on the side for I don't know how many years. And I got good at it. I worked, I redesigned Pat Flynn's website, Smart Passive Income, Nerd Fitness, Steve Cam's website. Corbett Barr had a website called Think Traffic. And that's when it all happened. This is where I want to fade up the violin music. Mm. I saw him coming across the hallway at the lunch corridor and uh you know we locked eyes we locked eyes he's he's a little older than me but i think we had a pe class together at one time (laughs) we grew up in different states (laughs) (laughs) i don't know where that was going but the point is i've done a lot of client work corbett's done a lot of client work steph here has done client work right so it's like we've all got experience with clients because guess what this is a good way to start earning income Right, It's a good way to start earning income because you only need to sell one person yeah. to get you to teach them how to play violin yeah. or to get you to teach them how to this, that, and the other or to be a consultant with them on X, Y, and Z. Or to, right, it's a, very, it's a hustle and sell approach, which is good, but a lot of people who get into that, eventually they find, I would like to find a way to not be trading time for money. That's a different story. You can learn more about that in the Fizzle Roadmap. Fizzle.co slash try five, T-R-A-Y-G-H-F-Y-A-V-G-E. <laughs> okay, all right. I misspoke earlier. Um, but uh, what I want to talk about today is when you're working professionally with clients, 
what do you do when things go wrong? Corbett, give me some examples of things that like go wrong when you're working with a client. Mm. Well, uh, in my experience, I, I wish I had a quip there because you're, you're looking at me with that funny mustache. Yeah, that it's the funny mustache. Yeah, That's the one I put on asking, today. You're asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of quip? Are you looking at me with your funny mustache, sir? <laughs> All kinds of things can go wrong with clients. For me, what usually, if anything went wrong, it was usually around the middle of the project where you started turning things over to the client and they just weren't happy with it or it was clear that there was some understanding between you that was wrong in terms of what you were going to be doing for them. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily like, I think we'll also talk about what if a client doesn't pay you stuff like that can go wrong. Like after you do the work, but there's a lot of things that can go wrong along the way as you're doing the work. And that can be disastrous because you might have other clients lined up. You might have other things to get to. You thought you were getting towards the end of this project Mm -hmm. and suddenly you realize this is going to be many, many more weeks of work. Yeah. And you're left thinking like, how do I, what do I do here? You know? Yeah. So that one bad client relationship can kind of blow up your entire like funnel of projects. Right. When you're working, when you're working, doing something that's so intensive with a client and they come and like, so an example, I think that you mentioned before Corbett was like, they like halfway through or some significant amount of the project in, they all of a sudden require or want more scope creep kind of thing. Right. right? They could just like change the requirements on you. Yeah. And a lot of clients don't understand why that's a problem for for the consultant or contractor, freelancer, whatever you're calling Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there can be, there can be a lot of like customer and client education involved with working with. All right, so here's why I need to charge more for that. Yeah, <laughs> given the scope of now, the agreement we've agreed to. I think we're making an assumption during this conversation, hmm. which is that you are probably charging by the project, right? In in that in that scenario. Sure. Anyway, if you're charging by the hour, eh, yeah, you know, bill up, bill up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why lawyers are so smart. Yeah, yeah, they are. And that's why there's a whole, yeah. You want to whole... change your requirements? Go ahead. So hold on. Does that mean that, that eventually all freelance things that are so established will just be billing like, like lawyers? Will the web designers uh, be like sort of the lawyers of the future? Ah, those designers, they just charge whatever they want, but you got to use them because <laughs> otherwise yeah. there's no, there, but that's a world without Squarespace. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a competitive world, I think there's always pressure to charge by the project because that's what clients would prefer it makes sense right yeah yeah but if you can get away with charging by the hour yeah okay so the kinds of things that i'm thinking of of going wrong you guys tell me tell me if this uh if any of these click any of your buttons or if you've got a story to tell any of these but i'm i've I've had situations or heard of situations where um you know some long distance into into a relationship with a client they request a refund after you've already delivered part of the work or done some stuff they just want money back they just want months later like months later right or um you know standard standard that clients don't pay invoices on time and every once in a while it's really really late and every once in a while it never it doesn't come at all right these are like gnarly things for for you know freelancers to be dealing with for all kinds of reasons the the client could have gone out of business yeah maybe they think that you didn't do 
the work that you had agreed to. Totally. Maybe they're just shysters and they're not paying you. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, leaving bad reviews on things like Yelp mm-hmm. or Etsy, things like this can can sort of be really important these days on your business, depending on, you know, what kind of business you have. For me, I've never been in Yelp or Etsy or anything like that. So I, I'm not personally experienced with that. But I, I have used services like that to determine which chiropractor or something to check out. So what do you do when something like that? That happens. Um, I don't know. Client being, you know, just generally completely unhappy with the work and just, you got to, I don't know. So what the question I want to get to next is sort of, all right, there's a lot of ways that your client stuff can go wrong. There's a lot of ways that this relationship with the client can blow up in your face. All right. I do want to remind us all at the outset to hear that, that a lot of our freelance businesses, your relationship with your client's is your business in some ways. You know, that's the dream. The dream is that you've got repeat business with people. The dream is you're providing value that is undeniable and you are you are you're profoundly useful for them to have in their in their arsenal of things, right? right? This is the dream. Sometimes that dream breaks down. Well, but I think the dream is also that you have clients who respect, respect. you, respect yeah. the work that you do pay on time, yeah, totally. all that kind of stuff. You just have a good, solid relationship and it's one where the client is looking to you as the expert yeah. to do yeah. the work that you know you can do. The, where that breaks down is in fussy clients, in clients that don't know what they want. Yeah, Those are the worst kinds. Sometimes it's not even that there's a disaster. Mm-hmm. It's just that the client is kind of a P-I-T-A. A, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a PETA. Is that, is that the, uh, the, the pet rescue company, right? <laughs> That's uh what's her name? Alicia Silverstone. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping we'd get more roll going there, but your tea's just still just just kicking in. It's just kicking in. <laughs> okay. So PITA, I'm just gonna go ahead and I'm gonna look up that in Urban Dictionary later on. But I love what you're saying about the respect needs to be flowing both ways. This is the dream. Is that you respect your clients, your clients respect you. This is where and yet it's possible. It's possible to get to this place. Um, I will also say that that this kind of customer, you know, client relationships blowing up in your face over something like this, this is standard freelance stuff mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yeah. If this is happening to you all the time, we got some issues and we're going to get into that in the second part of this show where we talk about how do we keep this from happening? Yeah. How do we prevent this? Go ahead, you know, I do think there's a lot of mindset stuff I want to touch on that's really interesting to me. So I have my own personal experience with with client work, but then I also feel like I'm, I'm watching a lot of people. And in particular, I kind of want to give a shout out to my photographer friends, people in that world. I'm in a few Facebook groups. There's one in particular called the Rising Tide Society, which just for whatever reason tends to be like a lot of wedding photographers or people who do family photos. And I don't know if there's something about that industry, but those people seem to have a really hard time with some of this stuff. And in particular, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of, you know, Chase, you already mentioned the fear of bad reviews. That's very, very real in the whole like photography. I think the wedding industry in general, Mm -hmm. there's like so Mm -hmm. much, you know, calligraphy, event planning, all that stuff relies so much on reviews, but there's a lot of fear of doing a bad job. And I see a lot of client says jump and the uh, provider says how high. And there's Mm -hmm. even like the horror stories I see, it's like someone does a so much work shooting a family session, doing all the editing, they give the photos to the client and the client just hates all of them. Like that's something that I read about happening. And it's like, 
oh my God, I'm just trying to imagine being in that situation. So I think there's some mindset that goes into this where people are wanting so badly to do a good job that they find themselves bending over backwards, reshooting the whole thing, responding to text messages at 1130 at night, like crazy stuff that we would never have done before Facebook and text messaging and the internet. And so for these people who are trying to like to, you know, go after their craft and provide for their families in these creative ways and like they're chasing the lifestyle business, it becomes actually so much more full of stress and anxiety because they want so badly to do a good job. So I think Mm. part of what we'll get into is how do you manage this whole world of like clients are always going to push and push and push, not because they're bad people, but because most people just want to get the most for their money. And uh, it's it's really easy to just get run over, I think, by by people's expectations. There's also a big risk here, I think, in the beginning of running into one of these scenarios, a nightmare scenario with a client, and then thinking that this is what freelance work is. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and then your career stops before it even began. Yeah. You yeah. know, you just freak out about it and decide it's not worth the hassle or whatever, not realizing that there are concrete things you can do to prevent that in the future. And sometimes there's just an experience that you can't plan for. You didn't know something about the client and yeah. it's going to go south no matter what. And that can even happen to experienced people. It's just kind of the nature of doing business. But the goal in the end is to get to a place where maybe only 5% of your clients are PITAs and the rest of them are just yeah. Awesome. I think yeah. it's so important to actually get to that place though. Cause I could see, I, I absolutely see it happening where before you even get to the point where you recognize, okay, 5% of my clients are that way. People start questioning their whole ability. They're like, maybe I'm not supposed to be in this realm. You know, maybe I don't have any talent. So I, my hope is that part of what we can discuss and part of what people can get out of this is, you know, figuring out how to manage these relationships so that you don't think it's your fault as the entrepreneur, because I, I can see how easily you would, you would start to question your own skill and your own talent just because of difficult client relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, PITA is pain in the arse. Did you oh, really not know that? You really didn't know that? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, I'm like looking at, I'm, I'm thinking of shawarma. Welcome. I'm thinking to the, of welcome Euros. Welcome to the 90s, Chase. Yeah, <laughs> P-I-T-A. Well, it's it's like, that's such a fun thing to say, a pain in the arse. I would never abbreviate that. I would like, it's like one of my favorite things. It's a family things. show. <laughs> it's a family show. That's good. I like that. Okay, so let's talk about some things that we can do it, like in the process of like, oh no, this is blowing up. How do we alleviate or fix these issues in a moment? Because I'm going to read our sponsor today from Aptive. This is a fitness app that you guys need to be paying attention to. A lot of you work for yourself and 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 you need to get out of the house. Listen, you guys, I need you to put on some pants of any kind. It could be shorts even. Let those calves see the light of day and we're going to get outside and we're going to do something physical. Now, what's great about Aptive is it doesn't have to be something really, really strenuous. And in fact, it doesn't have to be something that you like you dread at all. It can be really fun because there's over a hundred different like activities and guided things that you can do in this app. This app is great. Aptive, A-A-P-T-I-V. It's gonna, it, what it does is it has a, a personal trainer in your ear, all right, that is, that is tuned up to the activity that you're doing and a playlist of music. All right. It's just a killer, useful thing to get you motivated. It's nice. I've 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 got friends that do like the sprints. There's these little like quick sprints and you can get Kathy in your ear just doing the sprints or it's like, hi, I'm Jeff. I'll be your trainer today. Let's get out there and make something count. 
You know, it's like, I don't know where that went out. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know. Plus, the voices in there are way peppier than that. Yeah. It's right. like, it's like when, when you're inside your own head going, uh, I don't feel like totally. it. I just want to sit here in the dark. This Hi, voice is I'm like, Margaret, and we're going to do some stairs today. Okay. <laughs> I like the idea of, of having some in there that are like, Right, sir. Well, now we're going to go ahead and start our run. Here we are. It is a lovely day. Aren't you glad to be alive? Now, as you take your steps, I want you to consider the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. (laughs) I don't know. I like the the idea of coming. I'll start trying to come up with more characters for these guys. But Aptive has given you guys 30 days for free. So uh, typically it's a $9 a month thing. So people who are, you know, if you find this to be really, really useful, $9 a month is basically the most affordable gym you could ever, ever dream of. And, And it has so many activities, all of them led by expert trainers with good music and all that sort of stuff. So if you're looking for an alternative of the gym this can be a, a really really awesome thing for nine dollars a month but if you're unsure you get 30 days for free when you use the code fizzle as a coupon code all right so what you're going to do is you're going to sign up for the app or you can go to fizzle.co slash aptive that's a-a-p-t-i-v fizzle.co slash aptive you're going to sign up there's going to be a thing called coupon code just type in the word fizzle there it's going to get you 30 days for free all right. Our thanks to Aptive for supporting independent business and the Fizzle Show. Okay. So now let's get into what we can do to alleviate or fix these problems when they go off with our customers. Yeah. And to me, I think there's two categories of, mm-hmm. of fixing these things. One is the patch. Yeah. That's like what to do in the heat of the moment yeah. when yeah. things are going sideways. Then the other set, which is way more important. Yeah are all of the foundational preventative things that you need to do. And a lot of this is going to take time to learn. But the sooner that you understand that there are things you can do foundationally to prevent these problems from ever happening in the first place, the better off you're going to be. That's the big work. That's the big work. And so we're, I've split those up. So we're going to do the, the preventative stuff after we're going to talk a little bit about the alleviate and fix the patches. And then we're going to talk about, all right, so how do we make sure this never happens again? How do we make sure you're protected from this happening again? Okay, so the first thing that I got to say when we're trying to fix this thing is, okay, we got to go into a little bit like, um, we got to go into a little bit, uh, I don't know, what, what do you call it? Triage. We got to go into triage. We got to go into triage mode where it's like, all right, we're listening extra careful. We're communicating extra clearly. All right, we're not, we're like, repeat back to them. Okay, so I'm hearing you say this. Yeah. Am I getting you right on that? Okay, interesting. Okay, you, so I want you to repeat stuff. And I also want you to, in this communication and in this, in this sort of like crystal clear communication and in this really in like, like focused listening, I want you to practice a high degree of empathy here. Right. One of the things that I do with even with my son, as well as any customer support thing, I learned this some, a long time ago, I think on, on some customer support blog even, but it's just like, oh, I would hate it if that happened to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you're looking for that space in your mind. Yeah. If you were the client. Yeah. You're looking for that space in your mind. Well, and I, I think there's a couple of good reasons to do that. The first is it will take your guard down a little bit because yeah. a lot of times it's easy to get your feathers ruffled and mm-hmm. then to go at this as an adversarial kind of thing. Yeah. So take your guard down a little bit. You're going to meet in the middle, hopefully, much easier that way. And the second thing is you're going to hear your client much better if you understand where they're coming from, right? If you come at this as just from your own perspective, like, well, 
and and if you're also worried about what's going to happen over the next few weeks or whatever, like I said, this could derail your entire uh, client project list, yeah, right? Totally. For, for several weeks in the in the future. If you're worried about that as you're going into the communications, then you're not going to be listening to the client like you need to listen in order to resolve this problem as quickly as possible. So empathy is really important. It's not just one of those, oh, you'll feel better if you do it. You will actually get better results if you do it. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that. I think that's really important. Um, and I, I, again, just to reiterate what you said about that. Remember, this can blow up and derail your entire quarter or something like that, your entire half a year sometimes, right? Sometimes you could just, like the way a bad client can just be a fog over everything else. And you're in too deep to just like to torch the relationship and just move on. Like, yeah, it can really, really, and it, it makes you depressed and all that other stuff. So you got to go, all right, full triage mode, bring up all your energy level, even though you hate the idea of doing this. We're bringing up all our energy and almost anxiety mode, and we're going to focus, we're going to empathize with them. We're going to use, we're going to like, we're in the red, we're in the red for a little bit, making sure we're hearing exactly what they're saying exactly what their concern is, like understanding anything that's going on in this capacity here. And it's likely that the problem happened in the first place because you weren't listening. You yeah. were just kind of coasting like you do with most clients because yeah. usually that works. But with this particular client, you didn't hear something really important uh -huh. or you didn't understand what they were yep. saying. And so now it's time to pay attention and yeah. focus. It's time to pay attention and focus. And I do think there's something really big in that empathy switch. I need you to flip that consciously. I need you to have like a post-it note on your wall that sometimes you're going to need to get into that. It's like, Oh my God, I would hate it if that happened to me. Oh, that would suck if yeah. I felt, you know what I mean? I just, if you can get into that mode, you're going to hear them clearer. And you're going to, you're going to be able to find a solution. Cause remember like the, the point of this is, I don't know if you've learned this freelancer out there. I mean, maybe you're just, just early on your thing. You, you're you just figuring things out, but one day you're going to learn this. It's, it doesn't matter if you're right. It doesn't matter if it's if you're right. Like it matters that you've got revenue coming in, that clients are going out happy, that you're, that you've got a good reputation in the thing. You're working with good people. You can count on this business for the foreseeable future. This, these things really, 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 really matter. I mean, you wanting this instead of, and, and not wanting to do with the client, you, you just haven't worked with enough customers yet <laughs> to, to really start rounding those edges in some ways. In other ways, you you get to work with better clients the more you go, sorry, I don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. If you're really confident, you know what you're doing. If you're just a kid that's figuring stuff out, then anyways, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't have enough time to clarify that. All right, another thing is, I had to say this, some clients are just bad. Some clients really are bad. And so say like they're not paying you or something like that. You really like, I've had clients where, customers where I had to go, how badly do I need to go fight for this right now? You know, I've never had to, I've always gotten paid in the end, Yeah, but I, I can picture and I've, cause now I've, I've got so many friends who are freelancers and I've worked with so many designers and, and most of my experience is on the design and illustration world and especially web design. And so it's like, there's so many ways that it can, that the like when you're just a solo working for yourself, if you don't have your, if you don't have your crap on lockdown, do you know what I mean? Like you just, you're going to get marauded. You're going to get taken over by some of these clients, you know? Yeah, and I think the the question here is, uh, you know, how much effort do you want to put in to save this relationship mm -hmm. and to make sure the client's super happy yeah. and, to, and to potentially line up work for the future, you mm -hmm. know, repeat work with this person? At some point, you might just go, oh, this isn't the kind of client that I want to be working with. So, yeah. like you were saying about triage mode earlier, mm -hmm. it's just a question of what what's the minimum amount of stuff I can do to get through this yeah. project 
and move on. And in some cases, I think that could mean, and sorry if you have this in this list here, that could mean coming to an agreement about changing the deliverables yeah. and maybe finishing the project early saying, you know, I, I want to wrap this up and help yeah. you find somebody else or let you move on to work with somebody else to finish this project. Yeah. But this just isn't working. I didn't understand exactly what you were looking for. I'm not cut out for this, whatever. Yeah. Come up with some reason and potentially cut it off early, wrap up the last thing that you're supposed to be doing and, and just say, it's a bad client and I didn't realize that. And yep. it's, I'm going to go find somebody else. Yeah, this is a really big point in our, um, and not that specific point, but just the general idea in the Book Yourself Book yourself Solid is a book that that uh, Corbett recommended to me. It was instrumental in his freelancing career. It was really instrumental in mine as well. Uh, Book Yourself Solid is probably one of the best resources for freelancers out there. And inside of Fizzle, we have a course called The Essentials of Book Yourself Solid, where we worked with a Book Yourself Solid co- car uh, coach and uh, built basically the fundamentals of the book yourself solid as a, as a course, right? So it's like my favorite thing to get freelancers to know about inside of Fizzle is just like, oh my God, stop everything you're doing. Just go do this because it teaches you about the dud clients, about the ideal clients, about, about a handful of things that are right along these lines. So if that's kind of if that's ringing your bell, you need to go check that out. Five-week free trial, fizzle.co slash try five, that's T-R-A-Y-G-H-F-R- Z, Z, something, W. Anyways, I've, I don't want to start talking fast again yet. I'm like, I'm just, just I'm stuck Enjoying here. that part. I'm stuck here now. I like it down here now. Steph, do you, uh, you remember having clients that you just decided, oh, this isn't, this is, oh, God. this is not worth preserving. Yes. And okay. So I have a couple of things to say. First, I wanted to just add I wanted to take one thing that Chase was talking about just one layer deeper because it was such a good point is that empathy piece. And I had one additional, I don't know, piece of perspective on that. That is really interesting. So Chase, you were talking about the first thing to do when these things blow up is to, is to like take a step back. And I think the first thing you can do to turn up, because I love this recommendation you gave to maybe put a post-it note literally in your office that says empathy or just reminds you to not get defensive. Because I think that's the first thing that I see happening and I have had this happen to me too. And frankly, it still happens to me sometimes in my work here at Fizzle handling customer support. And I'm the person who does that most frequently. And it's really easy for my like defense, my defense wall to just go up and you're like ready to go to battle. So having that empathy is really helpful. And I find my number one tool for like clicking into that empathy is not taking things personally. And that's really hard when you're a solopreneur, when it's your freelance business, like you are the business. It's, it might sound counterintuitive to hear me say, don't take it personally because it feels yeah. personal. But it's it, most of the time, I feel like it's really not a personal thing. You don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. We've talked about this on the show before. So separating yourself from like, your, like keeping your own personal identity as who you are separate from your business, I think is, is critical to this. And um, just this is totally kind of just happenstance. I happened to read a really good article about this. I'll Chase, I'll make sure you get this link, but it's over on the Meet Edgar blog. So Laura Roeder's blog. And it's it's talking about two different ways that you can approach uh, bad like customer support situations. And the first, the, there's two options. The second one, the second option is kind of what we're talking about where you delivering, over deliver, go above and beyond, kind of rescue the situation. But the first option they call the shaggy principle, which is, it wasn't me. You know that song? 
So mm. it's like, that's wait. what our temptation is. Wait, is- wait, wait. She got me on the counter. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't no, I don't even know that. You song. don't know that one? <laughs> what? Okay, was, come on. You said Shaggy, and I was Caught thinking. Caught us banging sh- on the sofa. Shabba it wasn't Ray. me. Exactly. No. So, I'm all Shabba. <laughs> Shaggy, not Shabba. I know. I'm so I surprised that. you don't know that, Chase. That's like yeah. the best, most horrible song okay. ever from the early 2000s. But. Okay. The, the idea is it wasn't me. Like we're so tempted to put our hands up and be like, I didn't do like, it's not my fault. It's your fault. You're yeah. the, you're yeah, the moron yeah, yeah, in the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just recognizing that that's never going to get you where you want to go is, is really the first thing for that whole empathy side of things. But then for me personally, having been in a situation like this before wrong client is definitely a big part of it. So a lot of people listening know I used to have a career coaching business. That's what I was working on as my project while I was working full time before I joined Fizzle. And I was doing all kinds of career stuff for people. My dream was I wanted to help young women find their dream careers. And I somehow in my hustling found myself working, I kid you not guys, with a guy who was in his late fifties, who was in quality assurance. And I was like doing resume stuff for him because I'm good at resume writing and interviewing and things like that. And it was totally the wrong client. Like it was not the right person for me. I was probably not qualified to be coaching somebody at that level, you know, in that sort of like realm of older than my target audience, as well as male and in tech, like in quality assurance. Like I was so not in the right headspace to take on that client. So I found myself like halfway into the project being like resenting this work because it wasn't what I was passionate about. It didn't make me feel like I was doing a good job. So that was a really tough situation. And for me, I had to take a step back and say, okay, first of all, I'm going to learn from the situation and like say no to that type of client in the future. But in the moment, I had to really figure out how can I do a good job for this person because I committed to doing this work. And uh, in hindsight, I don't know, maybe I would have handled it differently and actually like been honest and said, listen, I don't necessarily know that I'm the right person to help you. Let me find someone else. So I think that sometimes when you're halfway into a project like that, it's not a bad idea to see if you can find someone to solve the problem that maybe, maybe you're just not in the, it's just not a good fit. And there's a good Mm. way to salvage the relationship and not end things on a bad note by connecting with somebody else who can help that person. Yeah. And, and to that, to that end, my next point here is, is I want you to take inventory of what leverage you might actually have, right? If you don't have leverage, you need to know it, (laughs) you know, leverage comes in the form of specifically like for my in my world in design, it was deliverables. It was files. So I would never, ever, ever share my source files with the client until final payment. Right? There'd be you know images going back and forth. Yep. Uh, using something to to share them, but those are not those a website don't those do not a website make is what I was getting at. Um, so deliverables is a big thing, uh, but there are situations where that is not even that is not even valuable because we want to take it in a completely different direction. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that with you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're not going to pay you for it. And I'm like, I'm not going to go there with you. Right. So sometimes that's just like the, the, the thing's over, but in other situations you need to get that payment or you want to get to a point. I love what Corbett was saying about, and Steph about like, okay, so how do we find an equitable way to sort of tie this one off? You know, just, okay, Steph mentioned finding someone else for them to work with. If you have a sort a, a group of people that you can, hey, does anybody want to work with someone, so-and-so, or you can kind of refer them to somebody else. Um, 
that can be awesome. The uh, another thing is just like having a deliverable of some kind. Okay, so why don't I do this? The homepage is almost finished. I'll bring my vision of the homepage through to completion and I will send over all the deliverable files and then your 50% that you paid as a down payment up front will just will will be will have covered that, you mm-hmm. know, or something like that. Um so but yeah, I need you to check in on do you have any leverage? And I want to remind you of one thing, like sometimes you yourself are the leverage for them. For a lot of customers that I worked with, it was like, they didn't have another video producer. Like they didn't have another video creator or a web designer. They just didn't have one in hand. So they'd have to go back to the drawing board to go find someone to do something. And, and reiterating that to them in a non douchey manner works really, really well. Listen, I know that, or not even like, listen, I know like that again, that's, that kind of can sound douchey, but just the sense of, of if they're thinking of walking away or they're, they've just got cold feet. Cause you can tell sometimes when clients or customers are just not confident, you're going to do the best work, right? That's when I, there's a little storytelling that needs to happen mm-hmm. when it, when it's like, I know that it, like, like you have to convince them that 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 you know how to do what they are needing to do. Selling them again in the middle of yeah. a project. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's totally natural. I think yeah. even even Totes not talking match. about freelancers, yeah. but within a company, if you get into a project that takes, you know, more than a few weeks, yeah, you kind of need to resell the benefits every once in a while. Mm-hmm. We find ourselves doing this, right? When we get into a long project, yeah. you have to re-up on what the benefits are, what the vision was, and so on. Yep, totally. And it's natural, you know, especially with clients, because a lot of times when you're working with a client, they're doing you're doing most of the work and they're focused on whatever the rest of their normal job is. And it's easy for them to kind of lose sight of yeah. what this project was meant to do yeah. if it's not a, yeah. a quick project. Yeah, totally. So I think that's totally normal to sell. And it might even be a good preventative thing to do in the middle of a project every once in a while, as opposed to just waiting until you start seeing signs that the client isn't as as engaged as they totally. would like to be. One of the things that um, I listed here in the stuff that can go wrong mm. is just when a client starts taking forever to get back to you. Mm. Right. Yeah. And you want to move this timeline along because you want to get to the next milestone so you can get paid. Yeah. And suddenly there's, instead of a one day turnaround, like there was at the beginning of a project on mm-hmm. communications, there's now like a two week turnaround yeah. to, to get them to sign off on something so that you can continue. And that's when, you know, maybe you need to check in with them. Maybe you need to be honest and say, Hey, what's going on? You're, you know, I've noticed that you aren't available anymore. This is keeping me from doing work. Yeah. Is it something that I'm doing or, um, you know, and then that's at a point where you could reiterate the value of the project and totally. sell them on it. Totally. I love that. Those are great points. So that idea of just like taking inventory on what your leverage is, deliverables, or you yourself being like the bird in the hand as opposed to, you know, one in the bush. I don't know. I don't Two. understand. Two in the, yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a, I don't know. I, I've only ever been a it's man. It's an old so. saying, so it has to be right. <laughs> okay, let me go through our next three really quick so that we can get onto our prevention list, mm-hmm. okay? So um, here's a simple little trick uh, for what we've kind of mentioned a few times if you need to sort of tie a bow around this project and get it out the door or just to alleviate a fix with a client. It's, would uh, if I do this, will you be happy, right? So it's getting really, really, again, that crystal, crystal clear defining what an object okay so it sounds like your issue is this and this and i totally understand it would suck for that to happen if i was in your shoes so if i got this to this point then would you be happy right and like just if this then 
then good results, you know, then you feel good about it. Right. Just defining that very, very clearly, letting that be sort of a like, like if you can look through all of their communication with that kind of lens, just like, what are they looking for? What are they looking for? What are they looking for? And then, and then meet their objectives on that. Cause again, this is from the perspective of, oh no, something blew up. And when you know, we know we need to try to fix this mm-hmm. real quick so we can move on to the rest of our pipeline. Um, if it's, if it's, you know, we're con- I'm constantly balancing back and forth between like, uh, this is a crappy person to work with. You need to just call it quits. <laughs> and that's because that's such a big part of doing freelance kind of work. But you never really know. I mean, I've had lots of crappy clients that I had to work with and I got through it. It taught me a lot, you know? Yeah. So it depends where you are in your process. I'm, we all have, all three of us, yeah. because that's, that's like we said, the nature of doing work, especially in the beginning when you don't know yeah. all of the preventative things you need to do. All right. Another thing here is I have, I have heard of people having pretty decent success having an, an attorney write a threat letter. Not actually, you know, pressing charges or doing anything, you know, the like going all the way, but just saying like, just as a sign that's like, oh, here's my attorney getting involved just in case I noticed this is only for situations where this is when you're burning bridges. Yeah, but exactly. You, but you actually yeah. want to get paid for yeah. work that you did that a client's not paying for paying for, then it's time to get a lawyer involved. Yeah, you probably can't afford to go all the way or yeah. whatever. And, and honestly, like the, you don't just immediately go to court anyway. You, you, the lawyer starts to communicate with the client, try to get it resolved in some easy way before you would ever think about going to court. Yeah. It might cost you some money and that's something you're going to have to factor in to think, you know, if, if I'm going to pay a lawyer X number of hours to send letters to the client, how much is that going to cost me? What's the likelihood that I'm actually going to get paid and is yeah. it worth it in the end? Yeah. Uh, a service that um, we've talked to a couple of times recently, somebody that does uh, billing and invoicing for freelancers is called and.co mm-hmm. and co. They actually have a template that you can send from their app that will look like it comes from a law firm Oh, nice! for clients that don't pay you. So go check this out. Just go to and.co and you'll, uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay, but, awesome. but you could do that without even paying a lawyer and it might get you some results as well. Yeah, I love that. So I'll put that in the show notes. Um, and then the last thing here is uh, <laughs> just that, just to reiterate, like I don't even think going to court is an option for most of us. Unless it's a, unless it's a big project. Yeah. And it was really clear that you got stiffed somehow. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that that's like, and it's something I've never, I've never dealt with and never wanted to and never had to. Yeah. Um, cause I was never working in a, in a price range or I was always working as a solo working with people. Now, if I, when I were, I worked at several, at a few agencies. And so it's like in that situation, you're sometimes working on $300,000 projects yeah. and it can make some sense to do some things like that or beyond. Yeah. Right. Okay. So these are, these are a bunch of things you can do to sort of patch up. I love that word, Corbin. Like these are the patches. The patches are we going to triage mode? We really, really empathize with them. We're going to get on that. We're going to fix this thing, right? Because this can blow up your whole quarter or half a year or something like mm-hmm. that. So we're triage. We're empathizing. Um, we are going to take inventory of like, is this client just like really crap? And I should just let go of this now because it's probably going to end up being, you know, too much work anyways. And, and like, it's just always had a bad funk on it. And, and yeah, why, don't I, why don't I just walk away from this? Right. Another thing is looking at my leverage. Do I have, what leverage do I have? My deliverables, uh, my talent, my skill, my, my positioning in the marketplace. Like I'm a really valuable, like 
uh, person for them to have. All right. The, if I do this, if, if this, then you'll be happy thing. Uh, and then having the attorney write a, uh, a threat letter or, and Corbett mentioned that from and.co, which we'll have this in the show notes at fizzleshow.co slash 220. Okay. Steph Corbett, anything to add on the patch, uh, stuff before we move on to sir, what I would say is really the, the most important part here is how do we set up structures that prevent this from happening you guys ready to move into the next part let's let's do it okay yeah and just one other thing if if um you're in a situation with a client where you feel like you need to patch it yeah it's also really useful to talk to someone else before you go in with guns blazing or whatever yeah go talk to a friend who's also a freelancer and say this is the issue i'm having with this client or if you have a mastermind group bring it up to them Talk it through a little bit before you approach the client, just so that you make sure that you're not missing something or assuming something that's wrong before you go into it. Okay, so Corbett, first point here is learning how to pick the right clients. All right, I want to hear from you. What have you learned? What what quick advice can you give someone about learning how to pick the right clients? This, I think, is a lot like learning how to hire the right people for your company. Mm -hmm. It's something that's going to take a while. But what you're looking for is the kind of client that's going to lead to a the respectful relationship that I talked about before, where they're going to perceive you as the expert. They're Mm -hmm. going to get out of the way. They're going to let you do the work. They're going to pay on time. And um, also, they're not going to be real fussy about all the details. You're not going to need endless amounts of handholding and uh, help making decisions. They're just going to be quick, solid decision makers. They're going to trust you to do the work. They're going to pay you on time and it's going to feel smooth and like you want all projects to, to feel like. And also bonus, they're hopefully going to give you the creative freedom to do work that you will feel good about showing off in your portfolio as well. They're not yeah. going to like try to guide you too much in, in getting the work done. Yeah. So that's the ideal client. The trouble is learning to spot those people. And some of it, I think, is only going to come with experience after you start to, you know, see some problem clients and understand maybe what went wrong or what you could have looked for early on in, in working with those clients. Mm. Another big problem is just needing work in the beginning, needing to get paid, needing to get things under your belt, probably not charging enough. And sometimes when you're charging low amounts, you're kind of attracting the PITA clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so part of it's moving up the ladder, part of it's getting some experience with clients. And then, you know, I would go so far as to write down, you know, keep a, a list of all of your clients, start to grade them, to say this was an A client in terms of our relationship, yeah. in terms of what I was able to do, this was a C client, and then start to note some of the behaviors or circumstances or whatever about that client to see if you can narrow in on the kinds of clients that tend to be better than others. This is a lot like what you do in in a non-freelancing business, like what we yeah. do with Fizzle. Yeah. We sometimes go through and look at all of our data and say, of the clients that we have, which ones stuck around, which ones contributed the most. What are the, what are the, the, what are, what are the, the, what are the attributes that are similar between our best customers? Yeah. Yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, it's easier for a freelance client because for us, we're talking about thousands, tens of thousands at this point of, of people who have signed up for Fizzle over the years. And 
it's very data driven and it's kind of hard because you don't know these clients. Whereas if you're talking about 20 clients or something that you've worked with over the past year or two, then you can remember every, you know, every client, Oh, Joe did this and Sally did this. And I want to, you know, look for the similarities and commonalities that lead to good clients. Yeah. Steph, do you have anything to add there on the, on the good client stuff? You're always someone that has a great, I find that you have a great like sort of radar on people. And I'm wondering for you how, um, how that like the, just like almost like how their energy feels or whatever plays a role in, in this kind of thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is, I know that this is something that not everybody agrees on in terms of, freelancing and doing client work. But for this reason, I'm a big fan of doing some kind of consultation or discovery call or Mm. whatever you want to call it, where you do get on Skype with the person that that wants to work with you for 20 to 30 minutes. And you don't have to give away a ton of your stuff. You don't need to coach them and give them your services. But the point of this is to make sure it's a fit both ways. And I think that people forget that they often feel like I have to do this discovery session to convince, you know, to convince the client that they want me, but it totally should go in the other direction too, where maybe you end up disqualifying a potential client because you get on Skype with them and you just get the feeling that number one, I think one of the big things is you shouldn't have to beg for the sale. You shouldn't have to be trying to convince them to work with you. I mean, it's totally normal for them to have questions and to need to think about it or to want to clarify things. Some of them will be chomping at the bit to work with you and that's great, but we can't expect them all to be that sold. But you shouldn't feel like you have to, you know, schedule like multiple free calls with them just to just to convince them to work with you. So that I think is one red flag is like if they're so on the fence and you feel like you're getting into begging, that that's a no-go. As well as I think just that general feeling of is this person going to be high maintenance? Are they do they seem like someone who is really demanding? Do they seem difficult to work with? And I know I can't give a super specific criteria for that, except I think you can get to just get a feel for it, especially the more you do it. You can start to feel like even the tone that someone uses or the way that they communicate with you, um, you can just get a sense of if they're on the same plane as you in terms of reasonable expectations. If there's someone who just kind of like doesn't seem to have their stuff together and they're sending, this might sound like totally irrelevant, but I have found it to be completely relevant. If they're sending you like weird you know, late night emails and text messages with things misspelled. Like this person might just have too much going on and they're just not a fit for you in terms of like being in the right headspace. So Mm. looking for some of these signs that this person's like, they're quick, they've got it together. They're, you know, just sort of like the person in a way, like someone that you would actually consider hanging out with in real life. I I wouldn't always use that as as a barometer, but in a way, you just want to know that you're working with somebody who seems like a pretty cool person who's going to be reasonable and uh, who's going to deliver on what they say they're going to. Yeah. One other quick technique you yeah. can use is to try to find uh, try to find out other freelancers that this client has worked with in the past or other firms that they've hired to do certain things and see if through a back channel or whatever, you can't reach out and say, hey, I noticed you did work for so-and-so. Did Was, was this person a good client to work for? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard to do in my experience, but but that but if you can, it's just like that is as mm, pure gold. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it's going to be like to work yeah. with them, probably. Yep. Um, okay, so that is learning how to pick the right clients. I think from all of our experience, we can say there are clients where it's just like, why is this just humming so perfectly? Mm-hmm. And it is such a different experience than so much of the clients I've I've worked with, and a lot of getting perf- turning pro as a freelancer is this step right here, learning how to pick the right clients, learning how to say no to clients, which is also kind of like, 
having the freedom to say no to some clients. Right, and that's a big part of it, right? Because we would all love to have the right clients and be able to say no, but sometimes we need the work. And that is, again, just part of getting started as a freelancer. Yeah. Okay, Corbett, so tell me about your the process. Uh, The the, the process itself, so every freelancer takes their customer through a process. I remember um, for a long time there, I was learning, I was just watching, my my jobs were in media and they were at basically companies where uh, uh, a lot of businesses would hire this company to put together a, a sales video that goes on their homepage. And we would do like, um, like whatever, 150 of these things every year, just tons and tons of these things. We have writers. We have, I was a project manager, animators and all this other stuff. Yep. Right. And, uh, through that, I learned how you can processize, uh, uh, freelance or a, a you know a, not a, not a freelance but a, a customer services business a yeah. client services business i mean the sales process that they processized was masterful they were using webinars this was 10 years ago the way that they were doing it is now just now the thing that people are doing nowadays all the time where they get the webinar going because it's like well it turns out real time's really good and then yeah. they play a video <laughs> right so, anyways so, so what's the process so, so what i mean by process isn't necessarily how you do things like yeah. you know the technique that you use for the webinar, it's documenting the steps involved in delivering your project. Or even before that, like you said, documenting the steps involved in signing someone up. The nightmare scenario is where every client is a completely new experience. You are guessing what you're going to do next because you haven't written anything down and you're just making it up as you go along. It's a custom like kind of project. You've never done it before and you're flying by the seat of your pants. There's a lot that can go wrong in those kinds of projects because it's not clear what comes next. You weren't able to tell the client ahead of time what's going to happen at certain stages. They don't know what to expect, what the milestones are and so on. So you want to get to a place where, of course, in the beginning, you might have to just, you know, wing it to some degree. Yeah. But even on your very first project, you would be smart to, instead of just, you know, telling the client what the deliverables are, Yeah. also at the beginning of the project, think about what steps am I going to have to go through to deliver this thing? What are the milestones? When are we going to have meetings? Mm-hmm. What am I going to be showing the client at this meeting? What do I need them to approve? When do I send them emails about certain things? What's a list of things that they should expect? What's a checklist of things that yeah. I know I need to deliver on this totally. project? And just have all of that thought out ahead of time, even if it's your first project. And then as you deliver each project, you want to refine that process. Yes. Get it better and smoother every yeah. time for two reasons. One is it's going to make it less likely that you're going to have some sort of you know major client disaster like we're talking about. But the second really important reason for having a process as a freelancer or any sort of service provider is that's where your money is. Mm -hmm. Because the tighter your process, the more you know how to expect or what to expect, the smoother the experience is with the client, the less time it's going to take you to deliver these things, the more likely it is that you can bring in someone from the outside to work with you and to do parts of that project and to deliver quality work because they can plug in and do the work at the right time. So that's where you're, where you're able to increase revenue by serving more clients, able to increase profits by hiring people to do parts of the work for you. And it makes your, your client experience smoother as well. And in a very real sense, like I, I just have to underscore everything you've just said. I mean, there's nothing to add to it. You've really, you really, you really nailed it in a very real sense that, process is your business 
that it really is when you're working with clients like this. And like Corbett said, so basically just use your podcast app, rewind about <laughs> a minute, you know, and just listen to that whole thing again because it's killer. That's the thing. And that's what took my freelancing business, kept growing it and taking to the next step. That's what made everything flow better is because I knew what I was going to take these people through. And then I was constantly massaging that outline of here's the process. Here's the plan. It's something that I noticed with a lot of designers, at least agencies, they on their actual website themselves, it's like, here's our process. Yes. And they're selling yeah. the process. And that's a big part of the sales. Yeah process right. as well. We know where to take you. Yep. Yeah, you know? That's what I was over here thinking too is so not only having your checklist and your process so documented like down to every fine detail but the more you can share that with the client the more insight they have into the process it's so comforting. You're like less likely to have issues because they'll sit back and go oh okay they've got it like I don't have to worry about this. I don't need to poke into every single thing because I'm reassured knowing what's coming next in the process versus mm-hmm. having the anxiety. Like if imagine being in their shoes if you don't know what what's going to happen at what point, of course, they're concerned about, about getting the best service. So the more you can give them into insight into that process and let them in on it, I think the, the more smooth the relationship will go. Absolutely. And yeah. for a freelancer, working on your process is the essence of working on your business instead of in your business. Ooh, yeah. 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 So, okay. Now a big step of this, uh, of your process is going to be communicating with your client, Mm -hmm. communicating with your customer along the way. And this is actually the third point in how do we prevent these big client blowouts is we got to have crystal clear communication. And in some, in my experience, uh, this is, this is so profoundly, it, it needs to be built into the process so much. Mm-hmm. For me, I was selling designs to a client, which means I got really good at at uh, just uh, like at, at presenting the things to them. But also, like, so meaning here's here's the finished thing. I would go like, well, first, remember we thought about this, and then we were thought I'm I'm showing them the steps along the way that led us to that. If you just reveal a website to someone, then they can like it or dislike it. But if you reveal a website to them after you've de- delivered some of this, and then some of this, and then some of this, and then then you kind of show them all of those steps with, remember when you said this, Bob, and you said this. So I took all of that and now it's like they designed the website too. You mm-hmm. were just putting together the pieces. Yeah. So what enabled that sell at the end, which is what I want, I want them to go away super thrilled with this website, is that I had check marks or points in my process to get buy off on certain things, mm-hmm. right? Certain wireframes, there's all these process steps along the way. Um, and I'm t- taking like great notes that I'm making that I know are going to be a part of my final presentation. And I'm using that communication throughout, right? So it's really, really tied in with process, this idea about communication. But I would go one step further in that if you are working with customers, quit being a jerk and take email seriously. Take, take communicating with your customers super, super, super seriously. Communicate very clearly. I always make fun of my wife because she's still to this day. She does, uh, she was a real estate agent for a really long time. And she like in emails, like you will get an email from my wife, Melissa Reeves, and she will have like, she'll do two spaces at the beginning of every paragraph. And, and she doesn't do like just regular web writing that we've all like gotten used typewriter. to. She does like typewriter stuff, you yeah. know, <laughs> it's so perfect. But the thing is, is that went a long way 
way with her customers who are making a complex buying decision and they have there's a lot of things to deliver yeah. you know what i mean melissa is really good at communicating over yeah, email really and that good. means you know uh writing with bullet points mm-hmm. it means being crystal clear about the thing that you want the client to take action on yeah. at the beginning and the end of yeah. the email. Don't bury <laughs> yeah. the ask or the <laughs> totally. question or whatever. This is totally. copywriting basically yeah. that you need to do over email. It also means making sure that you've fully thought through something before you send mm-hmm. it out yeah. so that you're not muddying the waters and making the client less confident about you because you're fumbling your communications. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go for it. I'm just going to add one last thing, which is the other end of this. So I agree with the point that it's, it's so important to take your communication seriously, but it's also really important to set the boundary. I think as the leader in this relationship, it's again, I brought this up, I think at the beginning of the episode, but we do have to do some client management here. And if you don't set any boundaries on what's acceptable in the relationship, that's how you get yourself into the world of, responding to 11.30 p.m. text messages, Facebook messages, all kinds of crazy stuff, which there's no life there. That's just not a good way to, you know, you're going to feel like you're never off the clock if you're always like, if you've set this expectation in your head that you have to reply to a text message from a client 30 seconds after they send it, maybe you shouldn't even be texting in the first place. It's probably a conversation for another day. But this is the kind of stuff I see all the time with our freelancers is getting into these patterns of never being able to turn it off because you're always responding to client communication. So while it's important to be really uh, professional about it and really responsive, I think it's also important to set some boundaries for your own life and for the, the sake of your own sanity. Yeah. Another one last little bit on communication. It's like, pick up the phone, dude. Pick up, get your clients on the phone. Yeah. Sometimes if there's just a bunch of back and forth and yeah. it, things aren't getting any clearer, the only way you're going to sort that out is by talking with, yeah, with voice. If you can just, I mean, I remember that feeling of like, I should call them. I know I have to call them because I've already like decided like I need to call them. Yeah. But I'm just like, oh my God. And the person who makes those calls at the beginning of the day is the person who's going to be successful. <laughs> That's just the, get it, get it just, out of the way. Just get it out of the way and just do it. Okay, so really quickly, because we're running out of time here. Um, the uh, fourth point here is the client agreement. This is sort of a very specific thing that we're calling out. And this is your, like, w- like this is this is the meat and potatoes of when you're, relationship with your client blows up in your face this is the safety net this is the safety net and it's and so and it's not even just your contract to me i've always relied on i've always had like a contract thing but really i i just doctored the heck out of my contract so like it was human readable but up front it was crystal clear here's what we're here's what we're going to get from chase and here's what we're going to give to chase Mm -hmm. right this is if you do this, we will give you this. And here's the process for how we're doing it. Yeah. Here's how we're defining the the like, this is like completed when Chase has delivered the files to me and Chase will deliver those files when he's received final payment. And it's like crystal, crystal clear. And then, know? yeah, but then beyond that, there should also be specificity around um, how the client reviews the work, how much time they have mm. to review the work, what happens if they want, to change something about either the requirements or about the work that you've delivered. You know, do you go hourly at that point? Are there a certain number of revisions allowed? You know, like just for example, let's say you're a designer and you have a wireframe and that's the first deliverable that you're going to send to the client. Yeah. So you send that deliverable. Well, one scenario is they don't get back to you Mm -hmm. for 
forever. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you do in that case? That should be in the agreement. It should say the client has X hours or days or whatever to review this and get back to me. The other question is like, uh, what if the client decides they don't like it and they want to change it? That's fine. That's probably included. But what if they do that five times? What if they want to change the thing five times? There's probably some limit to that. So that should be in the agreement as well. It should all be spelled out. Totally. Totally. Okay. So your client agreement's a big deal. We can't get in all the details here, but you know, use your common sense and go and you would, the, the, what's going to happen is you're going to get better at this over time. You're going to have a customer experience where it's just like, okay, so I need to protect myself against that. And when we've done step two, which is you have a document of your process and you're constantly massaging and editing it, you will know better how to, and the same thing, I always had a contract that I was constantly editing, a template for it that I was editing. I had mine in Markdown, by the way. And that way I could get it out into whatever format I wanted. It was great. It was really good. Okay. And then finally here, this is just the final step that is, that is like, I felt like it needed to be said. You want to have... You got to have some sort of a financial safety net for yourself so that you can deal with things when they happen. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of the things that that is great about working for yourself is you're totally nimble. Um, what enables that is is you got a little bit of security no matter if the well's running dry or not. You've got a, a runway of some kind to be able to to work with the the dry spell or something, um, which the dry spell also includes like when client stuff goes bad, they don't pay you for a long time. So I just wanted to make a note of that there. You got to keep some money in the bank for late payments, crazy clients, et cetera. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen in the freelance world. And so, uh, so yeah, keep that in mind. So again, those, those for you, what to do to prevent the client problems. We talked about learning how to pick the right clients. Number one, number two, your process getting really serious about your process. Number three, communication. You got to get on point with your communication. This is not this is not little league anymore. We're going into the big leads. Number four, you got a client agreement that is rock solid and crystal clear. And number five, you, you, you got some sort of safety net with this money in the bank kind of thing. Your financials give you some wiggle room, right? You, you could be, a, you might have to eat ramen, but you got some wiggle room. <laughs> I like that. Corvette, Steph, thank you guys for being on the show today. See you guys later. You guys okay? You Thanks, good? guys. Yeah, Bye. Thank, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. All right, so that's our uh, show for today. Uh, I'm trying to get the music to play here because it's always better for me when it plays in my ears. Mm. There we go. I like it. Thanks, guys. So there you have it. That's Fizzle Show 220, y'all. All right. Thanks for being uh, uh, listeners to the show. Thanks for being uh, being here with us and letting us be in your ear. I really, we really love being with y'all. If you want to see the show notes, I've written up all of these notes and links that we mentioned here at fizzleshow.co/slash two two zero. That's two twenty. And while you're there, if you haven't yet, you can pick up one of our guides. They're all free. Our most popular one by far right now, in terms of number of downloads, is the defining your audience guide all right it helps you get kind of the stuff we were talking about with your defining your ideal client or your dud client so check that out at fizzle.co slash guides here's an itunes review from melissa greenwood in canada who says so often it seems as if my subconscious brain sends out telepathic cries of help and you guys come to my rescue with the exact advice i'm needing on my entrepreneurial journey. Thank you so much, Melissa. Love hearing from you. Dear listener, our goal is to help you make progress. That's really what we're in this for. Uh, I want you to make progress every single week. Even if you're not making money, even if you're not doing the thing yet, that's how the sausage gets made. And I'm a vegetarian. 
But I know how important it is to make sausage. You know, that's the whole world falls apart if that's you don't how do the that. Vegan that's, <laughs> that's how the vegan sausage gets made too. That's right. So our goal is to help you make progress every single week. If you leave us an iTunes review, it just kind of helps us do that. I love hearing from you guys, hearing what you think of the show. So head over to the iTunes, uh, look, search for The Fizzle Show, and click write a review. I'd love to read yours out on the air. All right, y'all. Good luck to all you freelancers out there. Break a leg. Make it count. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show. Bye-bye.